Welcome to the Hedgemaker Broadcast. The prophet Ezekiel prophesied to the nation of Israel many long years ago. Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge for the house of Israel to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. He also said that the Lord sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries, located in beautiful Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, is attempting to stand in the gap and make up the hedge in these days of spiritual compromise and theological apostasy. Our biblical and historical Christian heritage challenges us to fill in the gaps left by those who have moved away from their biblical foundation. Listen now as we build up the wall and make up the hedge through sound preaching from God's Holy Word. Just two verses. Mark 14.10. I want to read the section here from Mark, and then we'll read the verses in Matthew and Luke as well regarding this betrayal of Judas. And Judas Iscariot, Mark 14.10, one of the twelve went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. And then let's go to Matthew's account, Matthew 26, verses 14 through 16. Matthew 26, 14 through 16. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? It's a different rendition than what Mark has. And I will deliver him unto you. What will you give me? And they coveted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. And then in Luke's Gospel, Luke 22, verses 3 through 6. Luke 22 and verse 3 through 6. Another interesting detail. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and coveted to give him money, and he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the presence of the multitude. Now I want to use all three of those verses, those passages, to look at Judas. We're zeroing in on this uh, Gospel of Mark with the theme of the servant. And here we have the potential for the servant's fall. Judas is giving us a, I don't want to say a pattern, a bad example. He's probably not a disciple. He's probably not saved. I think that can be determined because this, this uh, because the devil entered him. But I want to look at some of the characteristics of Judas that you and I can portray. So there are warnings to us. All right? Judas was uh, irresponsible about this. He's betraying the Lord, of course. He's a disciple, one of the twelve, that fails. We often think and ask, well, why did Jesus choose a disciple knowing he would fail? I don't know the answer to that. But I do know that many of us also fail as disciples of the Lord. A couple of characteristics. Judas was full of jealousy. Judas seems to have been jealous of the other apostles. 
the phrase in, I think, almost all of these Gospels, at least in two of them, he was one of the twelve. Some suggest that that is a phrase that says he was had some kind of priority. We'll look at a verse in John where he had the bag, so he's probably the treasure. When you pick someone as the treasure of an organization, you usually try to pick somebody who is responsible to do that task. And so, from a human perspective, when we look at people, if we were Jesus and we were looking for 12 disciples to follow us and work with us, you know, we would look for potential. So from a human perspective, Jesus noticed this great potential in Judas, so he did have some good qualities. He's called by Jesus, like the other disciples are, and he was then elevated to this position of the treasure for the small band of disciples. I don't know how much money he handled. We don't have a financial report from the disciples in the Gospel accounts how much money he would have handled, but it was enough to have a treasure. And uh, it was an extremely important function. The Lord, we're told, doesn't have any money, and uh, so I don't know how they collected these funds or what they did. The Bible doesn't give us any details about all of that. But they had to have funds to do certain things. And so it was an important position. Peter, James, and John also are three of the disciples who have more of a prominent position than the other disciples. We see them in the Gospels repeatedly in leadership roles. And then when we get to the book of Acts, of course, we see James becoming the pastor of the first church, and Peter, of course, being a a spokesman for the disciples. John, of course, writing the Gospel of John and the three epistles and the book of Revelation, and we assume that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. So those fellows had a prominent position as well. But somewhere along the line, Judas was filled with jealousy and there was a turning of him to be his sour. I don't know if we can pinpoint where that would have taken place, but we have a number of of things. The Bible is going to call it vainglory. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, a number of verses that warn us against greed. Covetousness would be, or jealousy rather, I'm looking at jealousy. Greed is another one we're going to look at. Jealousy. He's jealous of these other disciples. They were prominent. We'll look at that uh, a little bit later. Uh, Let's go to, let's see, I said Galatians chapter 5, didn't I? Let's go there first. And verse number 26. 526, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. There's that envy. Envy is jealousy. If Peter, James, and John are elevated to positions of importance, it would be easy for any of the disciples to become jealous of that. You and I have that same problem, don't we? We become jealous of people who are honored one way or another uh, beyond us or in a different way than we are honored. There's a verse in the Proverbs. It's Proverbs 14.30. It says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Envy or jealousy is the rottenness 
of the bones. Proverbs 14.30 is that verse. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Again, we don't know where this would have started with uh, Judas, this jealousy, but he was one of the twelve. Elevated to a position, but uh, evidently wanted others. We'll see this. He's not named in some other passages we'll look at. All of the disciples we'll look at are uh, vying for positions of importance. Another thing about Judas is he had ambition. Judas had ambition. Now, ambition can be good. We all should have that. The problem was that Judas channeled his ambition in the wrong direction. Actually, all of the disciples had this ambition. When he's approaching verse number, uh, Mark 14, verse number 10, he went unto the chief priests. Evidently, Judas is thinking he's been with the Lord three, three and a half years, following him. All of the disciples are looking for the Lord to bring in the kingdom. We'll see this even in the book of Acts, following the gospel account, where the disciples ask, is now the time when you're going to bring in your kingdom. Judas was along with that, looking for the kingdom of God to appear and watching for it to happen and looking for some place of prominence. So he thought, Jesus is going to bring in this kingdom. I'm on the winning side. But now, we're in these last days, this last week of the life and ministry of Christ, and Judas, among, uh, along with the other disciples, are becoming disillusioned, or is becoming disillusioned about Christ. The difference between Judas is, Judas denies the deity of Christ. The other disciples all had ambition to have a place of prominence in this kingdom and thought, wow, the Lord's going to bring in this kingdom, we'll have wealth, We'll have finances, we'll have clothing, we'll have things that we don't have now. As far as I know, none of the disciples were wanting. They all had their needs met. Food, clothing, and shelter. They didn't go hungry, but they wanted more. Sound like us? That's where ambition can be a wrong thing. And so the disciples are looking for these places of prominence. Judas took it another step, and he said this kingdom isn't going to come. And Christ is no longer the Christ. He's not the Messiah. He's not the one we're looking for. The chief priests and the scribes, Pharisees and whatnot, were looking to destroy the Lord Jesus. They also did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they sought opportunity to, in fact, they were already planning to destroy him. Judas just kind of jumped in there and helped them do it a couple more days sooner than than they anticipated. So it says in our text there in Mark that when they heard it, verse 11, they were glad and they promised to give him money and then he sought how he might conveniently betray the Lord. So he becomes disillusioned with the Messiah's promise the method, the method of building this kingdom. We don't really know everything, of course, that was in the minds of the disciples, but 
you know, Peter pulls out his sword, right? And uh, cuts off the the uh, ear of the high priest's servant. So Jesus told him, put up the sword because my kingdom is not with the sword. So they have a misunderstanding of what the kingdom was and the method that Jesus was going to use to bring in this kingdom and to set it up. Well, remember when we studied the between the Testament times, the Jews were being persecuted and they were looking to get out from under Roman rule. So I'm sure the disciples were looking for that. But the method of doing that, Jesus' kingdom is still coming. It's not here yet. And uh, it will be brought in by him, not by us. Not by Peter drawing his sword, but by the Lord. Judas, however, the, the other disciples did not misunderstand the person of Christ. Now, maybe they didn't have all the details about it. I don't, we don't really all know all of that. But they didn't deny the Lord. Peter does that, right? Peter denies the Lord and says, no, I don't know him. But in reality, he still knew that Jesus was the Christ. Wasn't it Peter that said, who do you say that I am? And what was Peter's answer? Thou art the Christ. So the other disciples did not deny that teaching of Jesus, that Jesus was the Christ. But Judas evidently not only was misunderstanding the method of bringing in the kingdom, but the person. Jesus was not the person. So, let's help. Let's get on the winning side. People like to be on the winning side, right? Football, baseball, whatever, sports and the other activities. We like to be on the winning side. Praise the Lord. We know as Christians we're on the winning side. Christ is going to win. It may not look like it at the present time, but he is going to win. Judas evidently had this idea that Jesus is not going to win this thing. And so let me go over to the other side and betray the Lord and help the chief priests and the scribes to get rid of him. And so he lost faith in the person of Christ. He no longer believed that Christ was the true Messiah. And so he said, here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give him to you. Now, let's look at a couple of places here. Let's go to Luke chapter 9, verses 46 to 48. Luke 9, 46 to 48. Then there arose a reasoning among them. Them is the disciples. Which of them should be the greatest? So all the disciples are reasoning among themselves which disciple is going to be the greatest. They all had ambition. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him and said unto, him, unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all. Least among you all. I can just imagine the disciples. But that's not what we're looking for. <laughs> we don't want to be the least among you all. The least among you all, the same shall be great. And so just the opposite of what the disciples were looking for. And then also go to the Gospel of Matthew 20. Chapter 20. Matthew 20. Verses 26 through 28. I don't think this is the same incident. This is where James and John are looking for a place of prominence and their mother comes to Jesus and asks them to grant 
that James and John be able to sit on his right and left hand. And uh, Jesus has to more or less tell her, this is not mine to give. Verse 26, so in that context, but it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. So we have the biblical adage there, the way up is down in biblical economy. The way up is down. The world wants to teach us you've got to climb the ladder. Step over everybody. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get to the top. But it shall not be so among you. Let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the life of Christ. He's coming to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he came as a lowly servant. And so ambition is good, right? But we need a right attitude about it. Let's also look at John chapter 5 and verse 44. John chapter 5 and verse 44. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God alone? Everybody's looking for honor. We all like to be honored. So we have that spirit of ambition. Ambition, again, is good, but it needs to be channeled in the right direction. Judas was channeling it in the wrong direction. He is evidently looking for a place of prominence to exalt himself and not the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have Judas is a man full of jealousy. Let's call it false ambition. He's full of false ambition. And then he also is full of greed. Greed. In John, John chapter 12. John 12 and verse 6. John 12, 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor. He's talking about Judas Iscariot, verse 4 tells us. But because he was a thief. He's the treasure, but he's a thief. And he had the bag. So he's uh, carrying this bag of money and bear what was put therein. So he's embezzling the little bit of money that the disciples are having. So he's the thief. Judas was a thief. That was motivated by greed and what the Bible calls the love of money. All of us are susceptible to that. We need to be careful about that sin. Let me give you a couple of thoughts about greed. Other words for it, covetousness. Even jealousy could be a part of it, the first word we looked at. Greed is a growing sin. What do you want when you get what you want? A little bit more. What is it that makes, the rich man was asked, what makes me happy a little bit more? So you have to feed it to for it to grow. The Bible also calls it lust, right? We lust for more and more. Desiring is a normal thing, and it is a natural thing. If we didn't have desire, then we wouldn't eat, we wouldn't sleep, we wouldn't do the things that we're normally supposed to do, but we need to control those desires. Otherwise, they become lusts or greed. So it's when we feed our desires that they become sinful and grow and grow. You can look at James chapter 4 for that, but we won't turn there because where comes the lust even of your hearts, uh, your own beings. Greed or covetousness the desire for more and more, will eat at us just like a cancer. So it's a terrible sin. It's like a disease. I'm not saying sin is a disease. 
But it's like that. It's like a cancer. It just keeps wanting more. Judas had what he needed. He had the food, the clothing, and the shelter. Why did he have to dip into the bag and become a thief to keep it for himself? He didn't need to do that. He had what he needs. Same way with you. You have as a Christian what you need. He didn't go without. So what was he after? Well, the sin of lusting for more and more ate away at him and caused him to put his hand into the till. How many times we've heard of different people who've been treasurers of an organization. We trusted them and they put their hand into the till, embezzled the money. We didn't find out till later. We trusted them. So the disciples trusted Judas to carry the bag. But greed, we have to watch out for that green-eyed monster. Greed is sin. Now we know, of course, from 1 Timothy 6.10 that it is not money that's sinful. What is it? The love of money. The love of the money. You can have the love of money without any money. <laughs> so it's not money. that Money is a thing. It is inanimate and lifeless. It has no feelings. It has no desires, no will to act. Man is the culprit. Man is the one who lusts for more and more. So we need to be careful about that. Let me again give you a number of verses here. I'm going to read most of these instead of actually turn to them. Luke 12.15. Luke 12.15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Luke 12.15 The verse we just referenced, 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 tells us to mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. So we need to mortify the covetousness, put it to death, which he also calls idolatry in that verse, Colossians 3 5. Proverbs 15 27. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house but he that hateth gifts shall live. And then Ecclesiastes 5.10, Solomon said, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. And so we know that riches do not satisfy. Then there's a passage in the book of Isaiah. Let me have you turn with me to that one. Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, one of the Old Testament prophecies. I like these Old Testament prophecies. Uh, Isaiah 56, verses 11 and 12. Now, Isaiah, of course, is writing to the nation of Israel. They have been, as a nation, polluting the things of God, like the Sabbaths and things like that. He's mentioned that in the early part of the chapter. So, let me begin reading at verse 10. Isaiah 56, 10. His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. Now, the watchman's supposed to be up there on the wall or on the station wherever he's watching with his eyes peeled, his eyes open. They're ignorant. They're blind. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. All right? They're supposed to warn when there's trouble. 
sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain from his quarter. Come ye, say ye they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundance. So they were blinded to the trouble that was about them. That's what greed does for us. Uh, so we need to be careful of that, that sin of greed, lest we become like Judas. Now, I forget which passage it was. Was it the Luke passage? One of the Gospel records tells us that the devil entered into him. It's also found in John 13. So Judas was devil-possessed. Now we as Christians, I believe, cannot be possessed by a demon or a devil. But we can act like the devil. You and I will probably not grow horns, but we can be devilish. Doesn't James tell us that the lust of the world is not of this world, but it is sensual, evil, and devilish? And so we need to be careful about being like the devil. I don't believe we can be possessed of the devil. Judas, I don't believe, was born again. And so the Satan entered into him and possessed him. And he allowed that to happen, by the way. Filled his heart with this lust for more and more, instead of filling it with Christ, went too long without repenting and letting Christ into his life. And so the devil came and took that place. Jesus gave several illustrations about that. You, know, you don't put something in your life, Christ, the devil, can, will want to fill that void. And not to say that everybody without Christ is demon-possessed. That's not what I'm saying, but that potential is there. And uh, the devil blinded him. Satan is great at, at deceiving. That's his main characteristics. And he took control of his rationale. He was the one, Judas was the one, who rejected the deity of Christ. The other disciples, even though they didn't quite understand it, didn't reject it. But Judas did. Hence, Satan used him to betray the Lord. And of course, he makes a bargain. Bargain with the devil, evidently not just with the chief priests. He bargained for 30 pieces of silver. Interesting, that's prophesied in the Old Testament. 30 pieces of silver. You know, I don't know how much that is, but it doesn't seem to me to be enough to sell your soul for. Because that's basically what Judas did. So he expected much more of the Lord and probably expected much more of the chief priests. But who was in control of it? It wasn't Judas, was it? Judas had that ambition. Well, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to have this place of prominence. I'm going to have the wealth and the money and so forth and so on. And when he finally turned against the Lord, sold the Lord, he only got 30 pieces of silver. No prominence. And he ends up committing suicide. So he, he lost it all. He felt that Jesus was doomed and without hope of escape. He couldn't see how. The disciples also didn't see this either. Remember the two on the road to, the Maya, to Emmaus? They said, you know, it's been three days since these things have happened. And so they didn't quite see it either, but they still had a, a twinge of hope, whereas Judas did not. Judas threw the whole thing out and became possessed of the devil. So he approached the leaders, the chief priests, as they're mentioned here in the gospel, and he was forced to portray Jesus. It wouldn't matter what the disciple or what the chief priests paid him. They were in charge now. 
He wanted to be in charge. Turn of events there. He attempted at one point, I think, to back out of that, but but couldn't. Then the Bible says he sought how he might conveniently betray him, sought for an opportunity to betray him. You know, that's a devilish characteristic. People looking for opportunities, how they can betray the Lord or how they can betray another Christian. That's a devilish characteristic. Looking for those opportunities. We ought to be looking for opportunities to serve one another. And, of course, to be a witness to others about the truth of God's gospel. So here we have Judas, a man full of jealousy, full of, the, of false ambition, full of greed, and in his case, demon-possessed. In our case, devilish, if we get to that place. We, do, we need to stop along the way, don't we? Watch out for that greed. Watch out for that covetousness. Uh, check that jealousy. Watch that ambition. Make sure it is channeled in the right direction. This is Dr. Lee Hennice, and we want to thank you for listening to the Hedgemaker broadcast today. Most of our broadcasts are portions of a sermon that I have preached the church. Hedgemaker Baptist Ministries is the preaching, teaching, and writing ministry for myself. You can visit us on the web at hedgemaker.org. And let's be encouraged to stand in the gap and make up the hedge until Jesus comes again.